Photo Mission Exposure, a podcast for photographers. Hi, Alison. Welcome to Photo Mission Exposure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem. I want to learn a little bit about your photography and what I'd normally do with guests, I normally take them back to where they first started. So that's when you first put your hands on your camera, the very first camera you put your hands on. Can mm-hmm. you remember when that might have been? Uh, well, I put my hands on a Kodak 110 or a 126. I can't remember which came first. Um, I was by no means a photographer though. They were terrible. I chopped people's heads off. Um, they were blurry. They were terrible. Um, it wasn't until I was about 17 that I got my first um, SLR, which was a Pentax K1000. Yep. Um, and, and the reason for that was because you were looking at embarking on photography? <laughs> uh, no, I was living in the Whit Sundays at the time and I needed a job. I went for a job interview at a video store back when we had video stores. Um, and the lady that owned the video store was a spiritualist and all I needed to do for the job interview was uh, give her my name and date of birth. She did a reading for me and called me the next day and decided I didn't belong in the video store. I should be working in her husband's photo lab. So I had no experience or anything with anything photography related and um, I ended up working there. Um, loved it and yeah that's where I got into photography and bought my first the the Pentax was uh, $150 um, and it was someone's uh, repair job that they never picked up so yeah I bought it for $150. So what type of things were you been shooting back then what was it? Friends (laughs) Um, I think I used to go out to like Cedar Creek Falls and do long exposures Um, people nothing great but they were all in focus, so yep. it was a step up. So, and so when did that? When did it progress? You progress from those type of shots to start looking at doing it as a profession. When did that happen? Um, when I well, when I moved back to Brisbane, um, I really wanted to work in a photo lab. I just loved, you know, developing and, and printing photos. Um, so I got a job in at uh, Streets Imaging in the Valley, yep. um, and we used to do all professional photographers work there um, that's when I really got interested I used to look at the photos and think oh that'd be really great to do that um, and yeah I just I read everything I could did some short courses um, there was a photographer that I knew that did weddings I went out and just shot next to him for, for a while um, yeah and that's how I got into it that way and then the plan was that um, when I had children, I would have some form of income that I could go to work on weekends and, and yeah, so that was it, weddings. Yeah. And so in those, in those early days, um, you were shooting with the, the Pentax, is that what you were shooting with? Um, oh gosh, I think I got um, another Pentax. I can't even think of the model. Um, and, yeah... I had I shot with film, and then my very first digital camera was a Canon 350D. Um, but yeah, I was shooting with Pentax for quite some time. Yeah, and that would have been interesting because obviously working the streets and being immersed in the whole, you know, processing of images and seeing those type of images. Um, what were your thoughts initially on the digital when you picked up a digital camera? I was really slow on the uptake. I I thought I didn't want to go digital because it was just a whole new area. Um, but eventually, you know, people started wanting, they wanted digital. So I would offer digital and film um, and let people choose. Um, and eventually just people just wanted digital. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it's interesting from a business point of view, obviously digital has a lot of advantages over film because obviously quick turnaround of, of images now, if you shoot an event or something, you can quickly get... Mm-hmm. images to people the other thing too i think um what digital has enabled to is social media to to flourish yeah, I mean, yeah social media lives on on images what do you do you use social media much in in your business um yes i don't enjoy social media because i think it's it's um, a huge distraction and a massive time waster um but yeah, people like to see their photos on, on Facebook. Um, I'm not great with Instagram, but I do use it. But yeah, you know, and certainly um, if you've got a really great image um, and it, it can get a lot of traction on Facebook, 
so yeah it's it's good for that um i don't find that it generates a lot of business but having said that it might just people might just hear me hear of my name and and refer to my website afterwards um yeah but i don't find that it's a huge avenue for for getting customers yeah i think it's one of, it's one of those things that you it's it's a useful tool yeah um, i think you have to be there just to have a presence um i guess there's no way of of really knowing what where your clients are coming from unless you ask them. Um, most of mine come through my website, so. Yep. And they're probably, it's interesting, because a lot of people these days, when they will look at something, if, if there is a Facebook page or an Instagram page or something, people quite often will look at that mm. and, and not even tell you, but they kind of try to sum you up to work out whether you're the um, type of photographer they want to employ, because, you know, a lot of people are looking for a style of photography. Yeah. Yeah, and you, you can have a little bit of your personality come through on Facebook as well, I guess. Um, and it's a good way for, for people to see how often you're working rather than, you know, you might have only shot three weddings and, and put them on a website. Whereas if you're on Facebook, you're constantly updating your work and, and sharing imagery so people are aware that you are actually working and, and actually taking photos. Yeah. So your um, career um, started off in the film Mm-hmm. era um you switched over to the digital um where do you how do you think photography has changed i think um i think back when it was film it was more of a luxury um that people you know didn't have the opportunity to photograph everything on their phone or or you know cameras were more expensive so they were a bit more of a luxury item um, now I think it's harder for photographers because anyone can call themselves a photographer and they do um, and it's very hard um, with so many. So with cameras, um, digital cameras especially, so accessible and, and affordable to people, um, that's really changed the landscape of photography. Um, and Photoshop, of course, is, is <laughs> um, a whole other process yeah. that you have to learn. And it's interesting now because it's kind of like almost like people do expect you to do some type of post on your pictures. Mm. And for most photographers, you know, strive to get it right in camera because yes. you don't really want to be sitting in front of your computer. No, no. And, I mean, I don't use a lot of Photoshop. I use Lightroom um, because the majority of my weddings, yes, you're right, you, you get it right in, in camera, um, but you still need to apply techniques. So if you were shooting JPEG, that the camera would be doing that for you. But when you shoot RAW, you, you need to do that in post. So, um, and there are, you know, everyone's got different techniques as well. Um, I find styles are changing as well. There's that real dark sort of moody look for wedding photography. Some people um, will do really bright. You'll see the high key type stuff yeah, happening as well. And... Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess... You know, the range of styles of photography is is broadened as well. Yeah. So, what would your your customer base you you shoot a bit of everything, or you kind of specialised in any particular area? Um, weddings have been my thing for like twenty years. Um, I just love weddings. You know, they're fun. You get to share happiest days with yep. with your customers. Is you know, you don't get any better days than that. Um, but gradually, I. You know, they would come back when they had kids as well. So I started, you know, do family uh, photography as well. Um, but then I got into newborns. So I've actually got a studio at home um, where I photograph newborns. Um, I find them just as hard as weddings. Yeah. Because, <laughs> um, you know, it's it's three hours of pretty intense, you know, workout. Whereas weddings I find easier on the body. That could be my age though too. <laughs> <laughs> Well, wedding, weddings, you kind of know what to expect. Yeah. It's kind of a, it's a, it's a bit like a recipe for a cake, isn't it? There's a, yeah. There's a flow how it kind of goes. But Yeah. And, and new, shooting newborns is like doing hot yoga for, for three hours. So yeah. it's pretty, um, it's it's a pretty huge workout. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean, you know, because babies usually got their routines. Yeah. And you've got to kind of work in amongst those. And sometimes the, the mums don't realise, you know, how long it's going to take to to get the shots yeah yeah and you really have to inform your clients that you know it takes around sometimes it's sometimes that your babies are really settled and it's two hours other times you've got to work a lot harder and it could be nearly four hours so um and it's really warm in the studio because obviously babies need to be warm yeah. um otherwise they wake up so it's yeah hot and sweaty work yeah 
And when, with the type of work that you do, do you normally offer, is it just the digital files that you, you're providing or you're doing some prints as well? Uh, with weddings, I do. They get their uh, wedding images on USB. Um, I do offer albums as well, but um, with newborns, I, I think because of the process involved with the newborns, you really need to, to uh, have control over the end product. So all my all my newborn packages have prints, so yep. they're all fine art prints. They do get their digital files as well, but you know it's like it's it's kind of like going to the hairdresser and saying, you know, I want to be a redhead. Sell me the dye, I'll go home and do it myself. You have no control over the final product yep. if if you just give them the digital files. And you know, I had um, a lady. She came into the studio for a family shoot, and she wanted to know um, if she should go. You know, when she goes to Office Works to get them printed, and I was like, oh, "Please don't do that." Uh-huh. Color profiles, what are they? Yes, yes. If you want them to look like they're supposed, you don't go to Office Works. So yeah. yeah, it's just about educating your clients on on how it works because they don't know otherwise. And I think one of the dangerous things that we're in an era of photography where it's exciting because of all the developments with digital cameras, but we do run the risk of future generations not actually having the photographs yes. that, that some of the older generations have because old generations would get the prints, they'd go on an album, they're kind of there for ever and a day. Yeah, um, and I think they were valued a bit more too because they were such an, you know, it was a luxury item, um, whereas people now they think, you know, it's because they're so easy to have, they don't print them out or get them framed or... They just stay on the computer. And I think there's a misconception now because it's so easy to pick up your iPhone and mm. snap a picture that um, for a whole new generation that's coming, you know, coming through that, you know, being brought into this digital age that they probably don't f- fully value um, what a professional photographer can yes. actually do for them. And that's yeah. one of the challenges, I think, of the photography industry is how do you, how do you sell that value that you bring to the table? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I know you also, you're involved with AIPP. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, they're, some of the things they'd be trying to do is obviously, you know, make, lift that in the eyes of the public as well, lift, yeah. the, lift the profession. And I think it's, um, it's interesting when you talk about wedding photography and people spend a lot of time picking the dress, getting the cake, getting the flowers, getting all these things right. And they don't always spend as much time picking their photographer. Mm-hmm. But what happens to the flowers? Yeah, exactly. What happens to the cake? Where's the wedding dress end up? Yeah. And photography is the thing that they're going to have for the next 50 years. Mm, it's something that... And it should be one of the priorities of their wedding day. It should be the, it, it's the, it, it should be the, you know, the, the cornerstone foundation. Mm. Everything else comes off that because that's going to be where your memories are. Yeah. And, you know, I see it all the time, especially on, on social media. There's people that say, oh, I'll do your wedding for, you know, $600, $700. And while I understand that, you know, a lot of brides and grooms have got a budget, that's, you know, it's not cheap photography if you hate all your images. Like mm. if you've got nothing that you can look back on and makes you smile or that no photos that you love – that's just a waste of money. You're far better off spending the money, getting a professional who knows exactly what they're doing, knows how to get those moments out of a couple. Because it's not just standing there taking the perfect picture. It's get it's about getting perfect moments. So that's that's all part of it as well. You need to be able to have a rapport with your photographer and they should be a friend and they should know exactly what they're doing, how to work in sun, how to work in rain. I mean, the amount of weddings I've shot in rain um, and the brides and grooms have thought, oh, you know, their expectation of photography just dropped because they had this idea of what their wedding photos would be and then the rain, they thought it was yep. ruined. Um, but they still loved all their photos because, you know, you know how to work with that, with those elements. Well, that's, I mean, that's what a professional photographer does. Mm. You, t- you take a situation and you make, you make something out of it. Yeah. And I think that's what, that's what people don't fully appreciate. They can't yeah. do that with their, with their iPhone or their cheap Mm-hmm. DSR they bought from JB or wherever. Yeah. And uh, and you know, someone who's charging six, seven hundred dollars or nine hundred dollars for a wedding, I can guarantee they don't have business insurance or public liability or backup gear. So, you know, you have to prepare for everything. Um, you know, if something happens on the wedding day if your camera dies, you've got to have at least another one camera behind and you know, back up everything. So 
you know, you just you just wouldn't be able to afford it if you're doing cheap weddings. Exactly. And you touched on something before, and it's something that a lot of photographers have actually expressed, we've had on the show, is um, you do have to actually manage manage people. Oh, yeah. It's a people business. Mm-hmm. And it's like wrangling cats at weddings. Like you're trying to get guests in photos. You have to have really good people skills and be really good at organising people without, you know, without making people cranky, <laughs> which you – so I sometimes hear, you know, photographer was bossy or whatever you know you just it's just doesn't work with with people well you're there to do a job mm. and you're there to deliver a product at the end of the day and and it's kind of like you know it's your you're driving that bus yeah and and if you're not then it, it's it's chaos and i think this is where the younger people who, who maybe not have shot weddings before where they just don't have that skill set yeah and that would mean a skill set that you've built over a period yeah. of time it, 20 years and probably about six. I, I don't even know how many weddings I've shot, but it's anywhere between 20 and 40 weddings a year over 20 years. So. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. So your skill set, you've built that up over a period of time and mm. and it's difficult to actually put a price on that. Yes. What's that worth? You know, yeah. like that experience. Millions. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> well, yes, that's it. I think, look, the thing is people do undervalue photography and it's a big, mm. it's a big, in, a big industry problem that how industry is going to actually try and put the value back in photography. It was interesting. Mm. I had, um, through one of our businesses, I had a couple come in and uh, they actually noticed some of the photos in the front of our showroom and said, oh, they're nice photos. And that's it. And they had a newborn bub. And I said, oh, you're going to get some pictures taken of your new- newborn bub. And they said, hubby popped up and said, oh, I've got, I've got a Canon, da-da-da-da, you know. I'm going to take some pictures. And I'm going, oh, okay. And 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 the wife popped up and she said, oh, yeah, because we... we, we Talked to a photographer and they wanted eight hundred dollars. I said, "Gee, that's quite reasonable." Mm-hmm. And she looked at me and said, <laughs> "I said, well, I said, and they said, oh, we thought it was expensive." I said, "Well, no, let's break it down. What what you're going to get for your eight hundred bucks? Yeah. Someone's going to come in. They're going to, you're going to be both involved in the pictures, rather than one one of you being the photographer, because mm-hmm. you know, um, families, mum, dad, and the kids sometimes." Um, I said, "But they've they've got a they've got." A, They've had spent a lot of time honing their skill. Yeah. And I said, you know, it's interesting that, you know, not every angle works. And photographer will know what angles work, whereas you'll snap a picture and say, yeah, I've got a picture of the bub on the floor or whatever, and it, you know, it's not really working. Mm. Whereas for your experience, you've got stuff in your mind, you know what you, the types of shots you've taken in the past. Yeah. You pretty much know how they're going to look um, before you take them. Yeah. And that's experience again. So I kind of went through this little process with them and, you know, and by the time I got to the end, they're going, you know what, it's, and I said the other thing is too, like with a with a, a photographer, a photographer has a kind of a workflow where they keep images. If something was to happen, you were to lose your images, you can always go back to the photographer and quite mm-hmm. often you, you're going to be able to get another copy or whatever. Yeah. Whereas you got them on an SD card and you know all this and then the SD card fails, mm. what have you got? Mm. Nothing. So it's interesting that I think if you get the opportunity to talk to people yeah. and, and take them through the process and say there is value, there's value to be had here yeah. by using it's, it. And again, it just comes down to educating people because, you know, I've had um, couples come in and they don't want photos with their baby and, you know, mum will be like, well, I've, you know, I don't feel great and they're sleep deprived. But it's not just about them. It's something that their child, when their child's an adult, the child's going to look back and see the photos with their mum and dad. And you can't, you just can't put prices on that. You know, like I, I go through my photo album and I've got photos of my christening and my parents and, you know, they're priceless. Yes. And, yep. you know, as ask anyone, you know, what are you going to grab if your house is on fire? Apart from your family members, you're going to grab your photos. Yep. And I think that's the thing looking and, you know, photo, family photo albums were very cherished, mm. you know, possession in any, any family because a lot of history there as well too. You know, you go back and there's aunties and uncles and all types yeah. of things that have pe- popped up and different things. And I think back in the day you touched on, with, you know, about photography was a bit of a luxury thing. Mm. And a lot of people didn't own a camera. Yeah. Um, and like today, obviously people, everyone, if you've got a mobile phone, you own yeah. a camera. But the reality is people aren't really using it sensibly. Mm. So where are all the pictures on the mobile phones going to be in 30 years? Yeah. <laughs> They're just gone. They're going to be gone. Yeah. And that's going to be the sad part, I think. I think the sad part um, about photography is it's so it's become so plentiful. 
Yeah. And it's like, but really... Most real. photographed generation with hardly any photos on the wall. Yeah, and, and, and it's really... Well, people don't print photos. Mm. There's not a lot of photos being printed. And I've noticed a bit of a trend that um, a lot of wedding photographers will just mail out a USB stick. Yeah. And they don't even offer prints as a part of their package. Yeah. And, and I really think there's something... There's an opportunity lost. Yeah, you're probably right. You know, I think the... Um, back in the older days, I mean, um, studios would sell the albums. Mm. And that's where, you know, they made some money, mm-hmm. basically. Um, I love it when clients order order wedding albums. I get excited because they look so amazing in an album. Like, it, you just you look at a, a monitor with photos and then you look at an album and it's just no comparison. Well, there's something tactile about it. You've got pages to turn, yeah. you know what I mean? It, it, and it's a bit like, and we've had this discussion on on this podcast before about, you know, reading a book on a Kindle to reading a book. I will never read a book on a Kindle. You can't smell a Kindle. I yeah. always pick up a book and I smell a book. It's <laughs> yeah. just That's what I'm saying. part it's, of the experience. It's part of the experience, mm-hmm. but it's just also the sound of the pages. Mm-hmm. It's that tactile feeling. Yeah. And the other thing too, I say like you take a Kindle out and you want to sit on your sunny veranda, you can't read it. Yeah. You know, but a book you can. Yeah, absolutely. Think, yeah, so I think it's kind of like, yeah, it's, it's we've got all this technology, but some of the old stuff... He's, he's served as well and, mm. and still still has a place in, in in society. Yeah. And I think, too, just for, for, from a kid's perspective, you know, looking at the family wall with photos of them on it, like, that's pretty special. Like, you don't get excited seeing yourself on a, on a screen, but, you know, a beautiful big family photo hanging on your wall. That's... Yeah. Well, there's a lot of photographers actually have this saying, you know, it's not a real photo until it's printed. Mm. It's true. And and it's kind of is true. I mean, if it sits if it sits on someone's hard drive, uh, on the computer and never seen the light of day, then is it a photo? Mm. And there's a lot of a lot of people debate that. You know, yeah. when does something become a photo? Yeah, when it's printed. When it's printed, and I think it, it is nice to, like I said, to see the prints on the wall. Yeah. Um, because they do, you know, they remind as you walk past them every day. You're not going to look, you know, if you. Even, even if you have the picture as a screensaver on your computer, you're not sitting there staring at your screensaver all day. Yeah. You? You're flicking through and doing other stuff. Mm. And I think too, um, they're just, you know, like it, it's a whole journey. You know, when you look at an image, it bring, it's a trigger. So, I mean, I've got photos. Um, I took a photo of my daughter at a, on a beach in Bali. And every time I look at that image, I, I'm remembering that trip. So... I've got a canvas on my wall of, of both our kids and they were just, it was taken with a, I bought a little cheap 50mm lens Yep. and I had that on my camera and we were down at Coolangatta Beach and they were just being complete idiots jumping around and pulling faces and, and I so I did this big collage and got it printed on a canvas and every time I look at it, I smile and I, I just remember that afternoon on the beach when they were just going crazy. Yep. So, you know, you just, they're just, photos are so important and people just, need to remember that that's all we've got when we're gone, you know, our well, photos. Well, they, they are memory triggers. They do mm. trigger those memories. And, and like I said, um, we've had a few photographers on here and we had one I can remember she was talking about the um, number of photos she'd taken of people and when those people had passed away, those images were used. Mm-hmm. At, and she said she realised the first time she was asked to provide a picture, she suddenly realised the importance of, of mm. taking pictures of people. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting, I mean, um, a lot of times yeah, people go looking for these pictures and they, they're not always easy to find. Yeah. Well, I used to um, volunteer for Heartfelt. Um, have you heard of Heartfelt? No, I haven't, no. So Heartfelt are an amazing organisation. It's a, a volunteer organisation of professional photographers and they photograph, um, well, they capture photographic memories for families who've suffered um, stillbirth. Okay. Um, or, um, you know, child, uh, loss of a baby. Yep. And, yeah, so I, I volunteered with them for four years and we would go to all the, you know, all the hospitals um, whenever a parent lost a child and we would go and capture photos for them. And, you know, this these families often only had maybe a day or two with their baby. Yep. And we would go in there and capture beautiful photos of, um, of these beautiful babies. And these parents were so grateful and that was all they'd have, you know. and But we were... Because we were all professionals, we were able to capture them in a really beautiful way. Yep. Um, you know, some of them, you know, if people take them on their iPhones or whatever, that can be quite confronting. But because yes. we all, you know, we all came in with our lighting and yes, um, and they were beautiful photos. And some of the most beautiful photos I've ever taken were, were for Heartfelt. Yep. 
and 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 I mean that they have real meaning. Like mm. there's, there's there's something there that they, um, yeah, it's just hard to put into words. Yeah, what, what and the, so much gratitude from the families. It was yeah, it was one of the most rewarding things I'd done. Yeah. Um, in my photography career at all. Yeah, and look, we often hear I've had photographers on here talking about um they've get to a point they like to give something back. Mm. Um, they've been you know. Um, lucky to be able to have a career and do some stuff and some of them it's because they can do some mentoring and bring yeah. up some younger photographers or, or like you said to be able to provide a service like that um, for those people who probably weren't in the headspace to even probably think about organizing it mm. at that particular point in time yeah hey that's kind of and that's that's one of the things you always um interesting when you talk to people and you find out um different things that people have done and, and people may not know about yeah. People, yeah, and I've taken photos um, because people knew that I worked for Heartfelt. I had, you know, friends contact me and um, I, they said, you know, that a friend of mine, her her friend is, you know, down the coast and she had terminal cancer and they wanted some family photos. So I went down there and, and you know, just captured the family that, that afternoon. Um, beautiful photos, beautiful family. And I think it was probably like a month or two later, um, this, her sister um, sent me a message and she said, you know, she'd passed away and one of the photos that I took was on her memorial and they had a big frame and, like, that was really special to know that the photos that I took were, were there for the, for the kids to remember her by as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, they'll just live, she'll live on through those, mm. through those photos and that's, yeah. that's kind of the, like I said, the power of photography. Yeah, and I think we forget that, um, you know, we do it so often for work. I think you, you kind of take it for granted and, and it's it's not something that everyone has the opportunity to have. So I always tell my friends, you know, get photos, have family photos, get them taken, don't wait, don't wait till your hair's longer or you've lost weight or whatever. The kids don't care about that stuff. They just care that you're having photos with them and they'll have something to remember. It's something that I don't think gets done particularly well in Australia and I've had another photographer on him we talked about, he, talked, he looked at the, the, the family portrait scene in the United States and mm-hmm. the United States will... A lot of people there will take a lot. Of, there's a lot of family portraits, and they'll have them up on their walls. Yeah. And it's interesting in Australia, we haven't really got that same kind of mentality where people are doing that regular family portrait thing. And it. Yeah. yeah it's, I think it should it should happen. Like I mean, like you said. Like every year, especially when the kids are, are young too, because they they grow up so fast, and every year they're changed. Well, that's right, and it, and it's each year is a huge milestone, mm. and. and yeah, I don't, I look, I don't know what it is. Um, I think I think sometimes people get busy in their lives as well and they, yeah. they don't think about it as much but they probably should and I'm just as guilty I booked a, a family session last year with a friend of mine and I still haven't had it yet <laughs> but my husband and I um, went to Tasmania in October for our anniversary so for our 10th anniversary that was our thing we went up to this beautiful mountain and had photos taken and that was really good it was really fun yeah so you're the professional to do that for yes you. Yeah. yeah how was it how was that like being on the other end it was fun, actually. I was, um, I mean, I did take a bottle of champagne with me because I was a bit nervous. So, um, but the, the lady that did our photos, she was brilliant. And yeah, she, she knew how to get, you know, she just knew how to make us relax. Yep. And um, it was just fun. It didn't, I thought it would feel really awkward, but it didn't. Are you checking your settings there? (laughs) And I guess that's just because she knew what she was doing as well. She was a really fun loving um, photographer and we had, had a bit of a laugh and Yeah. yeah. The champagne helped. <laughs> and what was the process? How did you select her? How did you find her? Um, well, I posted in the AIPP community page and asked, um, I said, who's a photographer in Tassie? We're coming over. And she commented and I had a look at her work and went, yep, I love you it. You clicked. Yep. Sent her a couple of emails. She sounded really fun. And yeah, just organized it like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, that's a, and that makes all the difference. Yeah, it, it makes all the difference if you're comfortable with the photographer. And Absolutely, it, it shows in the photos, and you're kind of like I, I had a photographer on here was who does corporate headshots, mm-hmm. and you know when the, when the, the corporation they work for just says you know Monday, be down here for HR because we're doing co- and the people don't want to be there. Yeah, and she was telling me you know sometimes her job's very difficult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's got someone like everyone lens that doesn't want to be yes. there. Yes. Yes, that does make it hard. I've had, um, you know, there's always a, a couple of guests at weddings that don't want to be photographed, even though the brides said to me, can you go and get a photo of Auntie Jean or whatever? Um, and you go over there and Auntie Jean's like, nope, I don't no. want a photo. I'm like, come on, 
it's for the bride and yeah sometimes they really make you work <laughs> <laughs> yeah you got to kind of work your way work your way how you actually capture that to, yeah. to do that so so um if you were to do you pick the camera up outside of work um i'd like to yeah so um it depends on what i'm doing so if um I'm entering the awards or something like that. I'll shoot specifically for the awards. I don't, I don't usually use. Any... Do you shoot a t- totally different type of subject? Yeah, I, I like to do portraits. Okay, yeah. Um, just because it's fun, you can be more creative, and you can sort of, you know, just shoot whatever you want and come up with crazy concepts and things like that. So I just find find it to be, you know, a lot more fun. Um, and you know, when I went to Tasmania, I was. I, so like, right, I'm going to try and shoot some landscapes. I'm terrible at shooting. I'm not a landscape photographer. There's obviously a real art to that, and I'm yet to learn any of it. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Is that foreground, midground, background? Yeah, kind of yeah, tick all these boxes. Yeah, I um, yeah, I really have a lot of respect for landscape photographers and ones that can can shoot a landscape and tell a story at the same time. To me, is amazing. Yeah, it is. So. The, the portraits that you shot for yourself, these mm-hmm. are stuff you shot. When you say you could do a bit different type of stuff, take us through what, what you do. Like, um, Okay, well, so last year um, I entered, entered portrait and I always try and shoot my parents because <laughs> my parents are in their 80s and they're super fun. Yep. And I just, you know, love them to bits and I love photographing them because we always have a big laugh. And I wanted to shoot... Um, so the, the, the theme I wanted to get across in the portrait was um, like respect for the elders. So my son, who was 17 at the time, um, was sitting at the dining table and my dad was opposite him and my son was feeding him <laughs> his breakfast. Yep. So that was the whole um, gist of it. In between, we there was lots of laughing and, you know, my dad was dribbling milk down his chin and my <laughs> son was killing himself laughing. Um, so that one was... That was one I shot for the state awards and the national awards, but I also entered it in the um, Heritage Bank Awards, and that one they had a theme um, of respect. Yep. So I thought, oh, I've actually got a got an image that's perfect for that theme. So I entered it, and it actually won. So that was really really cool. How did it score at the at at nationals? Yeah. Um. So at I think it's state. State, it got a, oh, it's got a silver at both state okay. and, and nationals, yeah. That's pretty respectable. Yeah, I think it got 84. Okay. Yeah. So. so and then I had um, one with dogs. <laughs> I love dogs. And um, I had a, I had a photo of a really old staffy um, next to a lounge chair, like waiting for his master that obviously wasn't coming home. So yeah. I, I, I'm a little bit gloomy in, in a lot yeah. of my photos. <laughs> can be quite dark. Um, but then I try and do some that are really quirky and fun as well. So. Yeah. I think it's good to mix it up. We had a photographer on here a few weeks ago and he was talking about saying about it's important to have that story in there and it doesn't mm. always have to be true. No. No, it <laughs> doesn't have to be your story. It could be anyone's story. Yeah, but just having those elements in the picture yeah. um, and he was talking through a picture that his wife had taken and, and she actually scored highest scoring print with this image. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of elements in the image and, and it was basically you could just keep reading and there was just unearthing these pieces of information mm. and it was just taking you further and further yep. along the road. And it's a skill to do that. And it's interesting hearing other people's interpretations because each person will come in with their own interpretation of the image and none of them could be right, but it doesn't really matter. As long as there's a story there, it's, it makes it more That's interesting. That's right. And it, can, it can be different to each mm. person's image. Photography is such a subjective medium. Yeah. You know, um, people all see something different in a picture, a lot, an element that they like. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because sometimes, it's, as a photographer, sometimes you there's something particularly about that image you really love yourself and people miss it. Yeah. But they like some uh, another element that you know is there but you're not, you don't feel it's as strong. Yeah. And, it's just, and the hard part too with finding images for awards as well as you have to let go of the emotional connection. So you'll have an image that you just love you know, like any any that have my parents in, I'm, I'm, I always love them, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate into yes. something that's going to win. Yep. So it's it's really good to have your circle of friends around that you can bounce ideas off and say, hey, what do you think of this? And, and they'll just pick it to shreds if necessary because they have no connection to it and they'll go, do this, do this, do this, and you can make a better image. Yeah. 
and it's good sometimes having that feedback. Oh, you have to have feedback, yeah. Yeah, because you can get you can get kind of lost in your own image, mm-hmm. where you you've invested a fair amount of your own you know personal yeah. emotion in there, and and like I said, you love it to bits. And you can have tunnel vision as well, like you know what you you're meant to see, but other people may not see it. Yeah, and it was interesting. I I, I haven't really entered too many um, awards, but my wife harped on me to enter into the Pine Rivers um, show some images last year. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I said, oh, yeah, we'll do it. And she kept saying, no, you got to do it, you got to do it. So I ended up putting some images in, and I was pretty lucky. I, I took out um, first place in action A grade mm-hmm. and third place in that same category as well. And it was interestingly, they did the judging and that type of thing, you'd come along, and then the next night you could actually come along and meet the judges. Yeah. So I've walked up, and I'm, the judges are standing there, and I point to this print, which was one, one of mine, and said, why, did, why would that win? so i got the explanation of it and there was really some really good elements in the picture and it was interesting for the judges to actually to hear them talking about why they marked that print so high yeah and because they saw some stuff that's there and it was there and i I fully didn't appreciate it so Mm. it was it was a really good exercise and some of the shots that i put up that i thought would actually do better bombed out yeah so it's kind of good feedback to get other people to look at your work and, yeah. and, and you know, they see things that you don't. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so normally if you're shooting stuff for yourself, it is, it is the, the portraiture type stuff. Um, you've shot any other type of stuff that you've kind of got out, on, out of your comfort zone and shot? Um, or even professionally, have you been given a gig that is kind of a little bit... Well, I did when I did the Canon Light, Light Awards, um, I did the Creative Composite uh, class. Yep. And we were given a background yep. and told to go home and, you know, composite elements in to make yep. a story. So that was fun. Um, I was up to like 2.30 in the morning because I was shooting in the... St- uh, luckily, I had the studio um, and I did a night scene and, you know, my husband was in it and I had my son in the background as a as a drunk homeless person and my yep. daughter was another character and yeah that was fun but um and it was a challenge too because you know I was learning about you know putting shadows in your image and yep. make it you make know, it look believable yeah and you know it's all about um you know the light, angle of the lighting and you know perspective is huge so it was all these things that you got to get perfect in order for it to look realistic. So, yeah, yeah it was interesting. And Damien's a master at that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he makes it look so easy. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is, um, and people people um, talk about photoshopping and images, but in commercial photography, um, particularly composite images, are kind of something that, that, you know, the commercial advertising industry use all the time. Yeah. Because you just can't. One of the advantages of digital is you, you couldn't that shoot you put together. You know some of those elements. If you tried to go and do it, well, you just can't do it all in one shot. That's it. It's just it's too impossible, hard. Impossible. Yeah. I mean, he's talked about. I know some of the stuff I've seen where he did this. Um, there's a billboard in Queensland for RACQ with their fleet of vehicles. I don't know if you've seen it. Mm. So it just this fleet of vehicles just disappear into the background. Oh and yeah. I think he shot. I think he had twenty vehicles there. Yeah. And he just kept moving them. And reshooting and moving them, reshooting them, <laughs> but then changing that perspective. So it, 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 it's totally believable. Yeah. Like it, it is. You look at it and go, yeah, it looks like it could be real. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen his one. I think it was for a casino, and he had like all these people just positioned around this big ballroom. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and it was brilliant. But you know, every every single subject had to be lit, so you couldn't have all these lights around and do it in one shot. It's just not possible. Yeah, I mean, I was one. I was on a set with him that he was shooting. And he, I think he had about ten lights, and this he, he said if, I, and he way he shot it obviously was he could only light parts of the set mm. and just kept moving the lights around. Yeah. And that's one of the other advantages of obviously doing a big composite image like that is you can move lights, reshoot, and then put the whole thing together, and then it looks believable. Yeah. Yeah. And I struggle with you know you can't move your camera. <laughs> it's got to stay in the well, same spot. I, I did the light awards um, last year, and it was a locked off shoot so mm. a little bit different to where he gave you a base image what he set up was was we didn't have an image base image but we had to put the camera and lock it in position yeah then we had to shoot and then we had to move the elements around within the frame yeah and then add bring the elements in 
um, do whatever you want and then put it together, but your camera was locked off. It was a really good technique mm. um, to learn how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's the fun thing, you know, like I said, um, post is here and it's, like I said, it's an exciting part for the people who embrace it. Some people don't embrace it. Yeah, I think I think it's just part and parcel of, of photography. Now you have to you have to do it to some degree. Well, digital was di- digital was an adaptation of photography, mm. so it changed what we did with film, and then all the stuff techniques that are coming out in post now is just an extension of that. Yeah, and I mean when you when I used to work in a photo lab, we'd be correcting for color and density and all sorts of things, overexposing, underexposing, yep. you know. People was, was shooting that way. Now, I think with digital, you, you're actually more aware of what you're when you're stuffing it up. Um, so you have to learn to get it better in camera because otherwise, you you really can't fix a bad photo in Photoshop. No, well you got the you got the feedback on the back of the camera now. So when you've yeah. taken a shot, you can have a look at it, and you can make some adjustments on the fly to exposures and stuff like mm. that, or even composition. And I always said sometimes, like you were talking about tunnel vision, we're looking at images. Sometimes, sometimes when you shooting a similar type of scene, there'll be an element in there that you don't really want in there. Yeah. And you don't realise until you look at the back of the camera and you start <clears> looking around and go, oh, can we just move this so that post isn't there or that bin's not mm. there or something? And, I mean, when I used to work at Streets, we had a whole crew of retouches and and this was back in the film day and we would have requests, you know, there'd be a family shot from a wedding that someone wanted printed or blown up and someone had their eyes shut. So that's a can you paint in the eyes? And that was one of our uh, retouchers' job was to paint in eyes so that they look realistic in a family photo. Yeah. And then you'd have other people that requested, you know, you go and burn this in in the dark room because you've got blown out highlights and things. So it was all getting done. It's just a lot easier now. Yeah, that's it. It, Like I said, it's more accessible Mm. to do it. And it's interesting going back and looking at some the older works where the black and white pictures that used to get coloured. Yeah. And some of the detail, though, is just phenomenal. You look at these things and, yeah. you know, those, those people had a real skill mm-hmm. to be able to do that, make it look, you know, um, kind of realistic enough that it didn't look cartoonish or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. So um, take us through some of, like, some. what's been some of your favourite things that you've shot? Favourite things? Like some of the best jobs that you've had been given to do. Oh, gosh. In particular, I don't know. Just, I mean, weddings are always great. Yep, yeah. a lot of photog- wedding photographers talk about the joy of the weddings. Yeah, it's a happy day. Um, yeah, most people are in pretty good spirits and that type of stuff. Mm. But I mean, if, if you had a, um, a shoot, it's it maybe not happy, but, but super challenging or something that was really kind of out of, out of the box, a little bit different. Super challenging. Um, I had a wedding. I think it was two thousand and ten, and it was actually I had about about 12 weddings in 2010 from in September and that was before the floods like yeah I think it started flooding in October yeah and so I had about 12 weddings from you know first week of September to first week of October and every single one it poured with rain um so I it was just by the end of it I was just over it like I can deal with it um but there was one couple they had a very small wedding and they had no undercover option. Um, and so basically we were standing out in the rain. And she was like, no, nope, we're not going anywhere else. I'll just stand here and get wet. And she stood there in a dress. Yep. To her credit, she still she still had fun. But she was, you know, we were just shooting in pouring rain um, and under umbrellas. But she didn't want the umbrellas. So I had an umbrella. But she was out in the rain with her guests. Um, and, yeah, that... That whole month was very challenging because it was just some some venues are just, you know, there there isn't a lot you can do when it's pouring with rain, so you just have to get out there and be creative and. But for them, that memory that was their day. Mm. That's what it was. Yes. I, I had a wedding photographer on here, and she talked about. I asked her about post, and she said she won't do post normally on wedding photos. She doesn't want to take change elements mm. because she said that's their memory. Yeah, I absolutely. don't want to. It's supposed to represent the day. Yeah, I'm not, I don't yeah. want to make it perfect if someone's shirt wasn't tucked in or that's the way it was. Yeah. You know, and, and so shooting in the rain like that, for that bride when she looks at those pictures, that's exactly how she's remembering yes. the day. Yeah. And, you know, you can still get beautiful photos in the rain. I was just, um, yeah, sick of working in floodwaters. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> you know, like some of the some of the photographers up in Townsville just recently, they were shooting weddings um, during the floods. 
and they were getting bogged in their four-wheel drives trying to get to venues and stuff. So yeah. that, that kind of stuff is challenging. Um, I find the elements more challenging than anything. Yeah. Um, but you got, you know, in Queensland, you've got the heat to contend with. Yeah. You know, those really hot, sticky days. But the thing is, obviously, for, for the equipment you shoot with, water isn't, isn't a good combination. No, it's not great. <laughs> I mean, you're shooting with 5D4, which is a weatherproof body. Um, but still, there's limitations on, yeah. you know, how much water you're going to... Yeah, yeah, it is. And, you know, I, I'm quite good at holding an umbrella and shooting one-handed. Yeah. Because um, you, you, you need to try and stay dry to some degree. Yeah. Because um, otherwise you get water on the front of your lens and it just makes things harder. But, um, yeah, heat's also bad. Yeah, heat's... Heat, yeah, I think that... Especially because if, if you're moving a lot and you're kind of becoming a... Chasing people around and shooting them that yeah when the weather's not that, that yeah. kind to you. I'm finding winters becoming more popular for weddings as the years go on, whereas yeah. it used to be September, October. They're still popular, but um, you know, I get lots of August weddings now and July weddings as well, whereas before it used to be, you know, there wasn't enough light, so you, yeah. you wouldn't get many in June, July. But I think it's just, you know, the guys have got to wear suits and they don't want to pass out from heat exhaustion. Yeah, so. yeah. And that's always a challenge when you're shooting things like wedding is the light. Obviously, mm. time of day, and there's certain times of day where the light's really harsh and it's really hard to work with. Mm. And then you've got other times of day when, you know, you get that late afternoon, the golden hour, you've got that yeah. beautiful light that sometimes is there and sometimes not there. <laughs> yeah. And I always, you know, explain this to my couples when they book because a lot of them want to, they, you know, they haven't done a wedding before. It's their first time. Um, and they want to know what time we need to shoot at. So, and that's the other thing too, you, you have to be able to advise your clients on ideal situations. And if they're, you know, if it's a December wedding and they're getting married at 12 in the, at noon, you also need to advise them that, hey, you know, if it's bright, sunny day, this is what the result will be. Yes. Um, and, you know, it's up to them then, you know, they can't expect to have that goal now if they're getting married at midday. Midday, that's right. And you've got that direct overhead harsh yeah. light, which is really hard to deal with yes. at times. But I'm shooting a wedding next year at um, at the planetarium. Okay. So that will be really cool. I'm very excited for that one. And they don't want any lights. Okay. <laughs> so it's just going to be the stars as their backdrop. Okay. And it's going to be really dark. Okay. So... And, and that's probably a good segue because I was going to ask you what type of lenses in your kit that you'd shoot a wedding with. What what would be on the front of the camera? Um, well, my workhorse is a 24 to 70, so that I use that for most um, and that's a very, the family portraits yeah, very and things like that. Yeah, very popular lens. Um, I love my 70 to 200 for um, the couples. Um, and I've got an 85mm, yep. which I also love, which is beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then I've got a, a 35mm and a... Uh, 16 to 30. I don't use it very often. Is it the it's Canon? A tam- it's a Tamron. Tamron, okay. Canon's a 16 to 35, but I don't know what the... Yeah, might be 15 to 30. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, and then I've got my 100mm macro as well, and then I've got a 24 to 105, which I hardly ever use. It's just a backup. Yeah, yeah. The 24 105 is one of my favourite lenses. I do street photography. Oh, uh, yeah. And it's and it's a it's just a good... Um, range. I'm mm. not chasing. I don't normally need the 2.8. Yeah, um, I would love the 24 to 105 to be a 2.8. That would oh be yeah, it'd be, ma- it'd be a massive lens. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've asked Canon for it, and they said, you know, how big it would be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good range. The se- I find that the 24 to 70 beautiful lens, but sometimes the 70 is just not there. Yeah. Um, and that's why you need the 70 to 200 is the perfect accompaniment because that's a beautiful lens. And yeah, especially like you said for for sometimes for the couples that. You got that beautiful depth of field compression you can get with mm. it, and and, it, and it's a two point eight lens. So yeah. in the, it's very heavy though. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I do carry it. I I do sometimes take it when I'm shooting. Um, there's a lot of stuff in Brisbane when they have city sounds. There's a lot of live bands, so quite often that's my lens I like to shoot with. Mm. And you do know when you're lugging that around for. for yeah, and I find I'm always resting my arm up. So at the end of the day, I'll have this really sore arm. Yeah. I use a sling um, um, strap arrangement so the cameras are kind of hanging. Yeah. So, yeah, you can, it kind of distributes the weight better. Yeah, it's it's too heavy to have around your neck for the whole day, so yeah, I can it have it over my shoulder as well. Yeah, yeah. So you've got it on, you know, the kit that you've got, that kind of covers all the different... Yeah, pretty much. I think I've... I mean, honestly, you probably don't need all those lenses, but it's a want. 
Really? Well, she's doing studio stuff. I mean, then you've got the op option then to be able to, obviously, you know, the 85 would probably work really well in the studio. Yeah, studio, in the studio, I just have my 24 to 70. Okay. Um, especially for babies as well and and probably the macro just yep. to get all the, the details. Yep. And do you have flash in your kit at all? Do you, what do you use I've got that? three flashes. Um, I don't I, – I use them when I have to, like just for a bit of fill um, – if the ceremony's under a tree with that, you know, horrible model light, lighting, I'll use it then. Um, and, you know, I might give it a little little pop for um, family photos to get rid of the shadows and things like that. But um, generally, I just like shooting with, with what light I have. Um, I'll use it at night, obviously. And um, most weddings, I'll always try and go out and do some night photography. So if they've got some beautiful fairy lights or they're at a gorgeous venue, I'll take them outside and, yep. and set up some off-camera flash as well. Yeah. Excellent. And the studio stuff, what do you use? What's your kind of studio setup? What are you? Um, well, initially, it was an available light studio. So it's all very white, white yep. flooring, white walls. Um, but now I've got um, a um, – they're designed for newborn photographers so yep. it's the um the studio light with the big um square softbox yep that replicates a window okay yep. um and then i've got the the backdrop system as well so i've got a couple of um hand-painted backdrops um yeah so i do families on the backdrops and then i move on to the newborn and can use that use yep. the lights for that yep and where, where do you see yourself in five years from now is there something that you you think you'll be Still out there shooting, or you? Probably, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, I love photography. I've loved it for for twenty odd years now. So it's it's just nothing that I will give up. I, you know, maybe I'll get rich and retire and just do it for fun. But I'll always be doing it. Well, someone someone once said to me, if you if you want to get rich, don't don't be a photographer. Yeah, <laughs> I think you know I've been very lucky that I've been able to you know earn an income off off photography. It's done everything it's given me everything that I wanted. You know, a lot of people rate their success on their income or, you know, how famous they are, I suppose, as a photographer. But to me, all I wanted to do was be home with my kids. Um, I didn't miss any of their, their um, sports days or school events. Um, it gave me that freedom to be home with the kids. So, um, yeah, it's it's been great. It's given you a lot, the lifestyle that you really yeah, wanted. Yeah, yeah. And lifestyle's not necessarily all about income. Obviously, you know, we... we all want money yeah um but it, it's yeah it's a lifestyle and you know I, I work from home I can I can work in my pajamas all day <laughs> sometimes I do my best work in my pajamas you know um I just could never imagine working nine to five for anyone else it's, yeah well you got you got a certain freedom yeah to be able to to do um kind of as you please to to a degree yeah yeah although so, I do think you know sometimes it would be great to have um, a nine-to-five job because when you come home, you're home. Yeah. You know, whereas when you work at home, when, when, you can when, always work. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's one of, the, one of the challenges. When I first started my business, I um, worked from home. And then after a few years, I made the decision to move it from home. Mm -hmm. And it was a pretty big decision because obviously I was going to be paying rent somewhere and that type of thing. But it was a really good move from the point of view that you did have – when you left the office and you went home, you were home. Yeah. Whereas I used to, when I was at home, it'd be like after dinner, I'll just go and do this. And before you know it, it's 11.30 at night. And check your emails, reply and you're doing to a few the, clients. Yeah, and it's kind of hard. And I think, look, it's, especially for small businesses, it's, it, it's hard to try and get that balance right. Mm. Um, and we touched on before, but, you know, and a few photographers, sometimes like the, a photography is a lonely existence sometimes. Mm. So having it set in your home in your home setting, at least you've got family members maybe coming and going, so you do have some activity. Yeah. If you're kind of off in the studio, away from home, then obviously you could be more isolated. Yeah, and that's why it's important to have a network of, of photographer friends as well, just for the camaraderie. Yeah, and again, that's and that's like organisations like OIPP is, mm. offers that offers that exact thing that it's got that um, network that you can reach yeah, out to people. And I think it's good to be able to sometimes like because you don't know everything. Um, yeah. It's good to be able to, to kind of ask questions and get some feedback and even on on I think it's always says useful when you can network with other photographers when you're looking at buying a piece of gear. Yes. Because sometimes you know we've all probably been guilty of buying the piece of gear we thought we'd use a lot and then never yeah. use very much. Yeah. 
Um, but you can ask someone, how do you use this? And they'll go, oh, yeah, it's okay, but I'm, you know, it's rarely on the camera. Yeah, and that goes with everything, you know, even just business advice um, because that's a huge part of being a photographer is you have to have some kind of business knowledge, which, yeah. you know, I never did. Yeah, so. and you have to have the right structure yeah. that works for you because you get the wrong structure and, you know, there's all types of implications of tax and all other things that people don't think of. And I think, look, when people... Um, are starting out in photography they're all very excited about the fact that they've got you know they've got this camera they can go out and create that the whole business thing of it's a whole thing that they really do have to spend some time Mm. and you need to work out your cost of doing business and it doesn't come down to like oh i just shot a wedding for three hours on a saturday it comes to the you know all the emails the you know talking to clients and then you've got your editing you know you might spend got, three hours at a wedding and then three hours yeah. editing it so well you got your gear to maintain you know, you've got sen- sensor cleans you've got them up and you've you got to update your gear from time to time yeah i mean how long would you normally shoot with a body like how long um maybe three to four years probably yeah. at the most as soon as um the new ones come out i usually wait wait maybe 12 months yeah that's what find i find out if I'd, there's any yeah any, any, any little niggle, niggly things and like i said i've i shoot with the five series canons as well and i did the same i went from the you know when the i shot with the two for many many years i didn't have the first series of i was shooting crop frame before then yeah but i, I kind of waited when the three came out i waited to see how and it usually went. around christmas time they've got good sales on yeah and then then jumped into that and then then um when the four came out again just wait that little bit and i think it's kind of um it's good to obviously um understand how your how your gear works and mm. what what have you found have you found any advantages with the the newer gear like the, the four over the three the touch screen i love the touch screen yeah and especially since i hit 40 my eyesight yeah. i've got to wear glasses now when i shoot so um you know my arms just aren't long enough anymore to be able to see what's on the back of my camera so the the touch screen is um really good um do you use the wi-fi feature or no i'm not very tech savvy yeah um, i was telling someone the other day about this i was just saying about how when I got my, my Mark IV, I played with the Wi-Fi and tried it, and then oh, it works okay. But I've never used it since. Yeah, no, it just I doesn't work either. for me. But I had a photographer here, and she that was her wish on her wish list. She wants her next camera's got to have Wi-Fi. Yeah. And in the environment she shoots in, in, in um, uh, event type stuff, that sometimes people they're wanting images very quickly. Yeah. And it does give you a means to to better. Moving yeah, and moving. people do want stuff instantly now. Like, and that, that goes with you know working from home as well. If people email you, so, you know, sometimes they think, well, you know, she works at home, she'll answer yep. straight away, or they'll text you, or yep. you know, I've had text messages. You know, are you available for a wedding at like nine thirty at night? And it's like, you know. So when when you do a wedding, do you normally do you normally try and punch some images out quickly to get to them, or do you wait until you've got your whole set before you? Because some wedding photographers I see will, will will say, look, I'll quickly go and I'll edit 10 images and I'll get them to the couple because the couple want to start spreading them around on social media or do you wait until the... I always... Um, well, if, if they're happy to, to share on social media, um, I will always, you know, put a couple of hero shots out on, on social media the next day and sprinkle some out over the next week. Yeah. Um, but I always do a blog post as well yep. so that my couples can see their photos, so just like a highlights. Um, and then they can share that with family and friends. You know, a lot of them have family overseas or interstate, so they can just, you know, send a link and say, hey, check out our wedding. Because I think that's one of, the, that. one of the things is people who consume images now, they do want that quick yeah, that quick fix. Um, yeah. And I think that's come about because of obviously, you know, phone technology and stuff like that because we we see these images and then they can be basically snapped on your phone and they're up on Instagram or Facebook yeah. kind of straight away. Yeah, I love that um, unplugged weddings are a bit of a thing. Yeah. I think they're great. Yeah, and that, and that's one thing we've talked about with photographers, how you manage, because I've you know, had heaps of them say, you know, they're competing with all these iPads and iPhones and, you know, there's people coming in mm. on top of your shot and you're there as a paid to do a job. Yeah. And um, do you actually read the right act of people or do you just kind of... No, I don't. I mean, I don't say anything. I, you, you know, if it comes up in a discussion with my clients when they're booking, I, I do mention that unplugged weddings are really good yeah. um, for that reason so that, you know, they don't have any um, phones obscuring their photos. Yep. 
or the iPad. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I certainly don't request it. And, you know, most people have some common sense at weddings. They don't get in the way. Um, if they do, I just have to work around it. Yeah, I don't know if I talk about it. stand in front of them. <laughs> she said if someone's there and, and there's a crucial moment and someone's flushed an iPad in there, she said she takes a shot. Because she said that's how it was. And yeah, and I have got photos of, you know, the bride coming down the aisle and there's big iPads straight in the way. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's just you just have to work with it. Yeah. Because yeah. I've been to weddings where it's been requested that it's an unplugged wedding and, you know, please put your phones away and people still get their phones out. Yeah. And it's interesting because I was talking to another photographer who's had a long um, career doing weddings and was saying how... What what he'd noticed had changed at weddings. You know, in in the early days when he started shooting, there'd be one or two guests would have a camera. Mm. They'd be taking some pictures. Quite often, just like a little thirty five mil compact or something. Yeah. And the occasional, you know, some might have a DSLR, but very few. To the point now where there is so many iPhones and iPads at weddings, like everyone's snapping these pictures mm. and it's something that you it's just something else you have to manage on yeah the i actually get surprised if i see someone with a with an slr <laughs> yeah yeah well you like, don't oh that's a real camera well it's it's funny because like i said the for a lot of families now like you know that the, the younger kids are growing up they haven't they don't know what a dslr is mm. um the family's phone the the family's camera these days is their phones yeah i mean what we've had the iphone's been around about 10 years i think yeah. So it's kind of like that's in... And who, who prints them? Like no one ever prints a wedding photo off an iPhone. Yeah, well, it's not going to be great quality no. anyway. Yeah. You're going, to, you're going to struggle to get the kind of the quality there. Yeah. So, um, Alison, what type of advice would you give to someone who was maybe deciding to they're going to embark on and kind of go down a career path similar to yours? What would you... Now you, all the wisdom that you've got from been doing it for a number um, of years. Do some kind of business course. That would be, I, th- I think it's just vital now. You have to learn all aspects of it. Um, and if anyone was doing, w- wanted to be a wedding photographer, I would just suggest just go out and shoot next to someone or get, get hands-on experience um, managing people as well. Um, you know, obviously you would expect to have the skills to capture great photos, but you also have to learn how to get great photos out of people and that involves you know, working your audience and, and wrangling people and, um, you know, not missing a shot because, you know, families sometimes after the ceremony, they'll just disappear, hit the bar and you really have to know who you've got to photograph and, and you need to do it on the fly. Yeah. You can't fluff around and take take half an hour to, to get a couple of family photos. You've got to be able to do it in 10 minutes and know that you've got everyone exactly who you needed to photograph in what order. and, and do, you do, do you do yourself a shot list that, to kind of keep... No, um, I don't. I don't actually like lists. I tell this to my clients all the time because they give me lists of names, and I have no idea who these people are. Um, I have a certain way of of getting family, and I'll just start with the bride and groom, and then I'll just keep adding people until they're all done, and then I'll do the other side. Um, the only time I have lists is if you know family dynamics are a bit a bit touchy. Yeah. Um, you might have step parents or parents that aren't talking, things like that. You know, if there's interstate rallies or, or guests that they want photos with, I'll make a note of that. But otherwise, I just have my my list in my head yep. and I stick to that. And there'll be someone like, you know, grandma might come along and she'll want her photo first and I'll, I'll go, I'll, I'll get to you in a minute because um, it throws me off of people. Yeah, you've, you've, got, your, you've yeah. got your workflow kind of... Yeah, they mess it. with my mojo and I'll miss someone out. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And I think you touched on the first thing, someone starting out, the business side is so, so important mm-hmm. that you can have all the talent as a photographer um, and all the enthusiasm in the world and you can still fail in the commercial photography because yeah. if you don't understand that business yeah. side of it. Yeah, and, and it's about pricing, like learning how to price yourself as well um, so that you, you can make an income. You know, you have to learn of all your costs so that you can well, weigh it break, break in points is one of those really critical things that you need to know in a business. You need to know how much money you make just to cover costs. Yeah. And um, and a lot of people, that's where they, they don't. Mm. And they think they're doing okay, but they're not because yeah. they're not actually even covering their costs. Yeah. And, and it's not just the shooting time. It's the... The editing time, the the admin side, you've got to sort of work out exactly how many hours you spend in your business in order to you know how many shoots you need to do and how much you need to earn at each shoot in order to make a living. Yeah. 
And where do you think like professional associations fit in for that person starting out? Do you think that's a, a viable option for them to look at that? Or I think so. I mean, you, you're going to, in any organisation, there's going to be people that have been around for a long time. There's always things you can learn. Um, I know with the AIPP, we, as I'm on council, um, we're actually trying to put on a lot more events so that we can um, create a value for our for our members. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got a really good business event next week that I'm really excited about. It's an all-day event where we'll be learning um, about keeping customers um, for life, yep. SEO, accounting, um, and video marketing. So, um, you know, we're doing these events to help our members. Um, but it's like anything, you know, you, if you join a gym membership and pay your membership and then never go, you never get no, anything out of it. it. So when you, and with, our, um, with the AIPP, we're now... Um, offering these events to our members that are regional so that even regional members, even though they can't ever get to Brisbane for an event, they can still um, watch it via live stream. So that's something we're really working hard at as well. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, Australia and Queensland are big places. Mm. So we've got photographers working all over all over the country. So, yeah. so it's kind of sometimes yeah, hard to always be right there on top, yeah. of, top of it. But yeah. that sounds like some good... In- good stuff happening there of um yeah and even the you know things like print print critiques i get my words out (laughs) um it's just having having another opinion and having someone cast their eyes over your work um a lot of people don't like it they don't like having their work critiqued but that's how you get better you know i entered the the awards a couple of years and i didn't get anything um but each year you come back and you take everything on board and that's you know through through a perceived failure is how you get better yeah um so, yeah, and, you know, when you're in a group or an organisation, you, you have all this vast wealth of information that when you go to events, you meet these people and you just learn from them. So it's it's invaluable, really. And, and you know, I've got some great friends that I've met through the AIPP. Well, that, having that support network is great, when you, particularly when you're starting out to get surround yourself. And look, um, a lot of photographers have said you need to surround yourself with like-minded people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, they will help you on that journey. Yeah. And, and you know, some people have got different um, skills. So, you know, I've got friends who are much better at business than I am. And I'll go, oh, my goodness, you know, what do you think of this? And they'll go, oh, that's a great idea. But how about you do this? And, yep. you know, you just bounce ideas around and you pick up little gems of information that you then implement into your own business. And, yeah. Yeah. So... Um, we touched on a little bit that you do do um, some stuff on social media. Mm-hmm. So if people were wanting to have a look at your work, where would they be able to find you? Um, on Facebook, it's just Alison Cook Photography. Um, there's actually another <laughs> another lady with that name, but she's in Ontario, so I'm the Brisbane-based one. Yep. And Instagram? Same. Same? Yeah, just Alison Cook Photography. And your website? Is www.alisoncookphotography.com. Yeah, cool. Cook with an E. Cook with an E, yeah. Yes. So, look, thank you for coming in. It's been great chatting and learning a little bit about thank your, you for your, having me. your photography and giving a few insights. And I'm sure, like I said, photographers who listen to this always pick up something from these chats. Yeah. That they learn something or pick up some new idea. So, um, thank you again. Thank you very much. No worries. Thanks for listening to this episode of Photo Mission Exposure. If you liked the episode, please leave a comment. Also, you can follow us. Don't forget to tune into another episode soon. Thank you.